Follow me on this. Give a dog. Does a dog look you in the eye? A dog that doesn't look you in the eye doesn't love you. Sure, you sit together, play together, but this is a relationship of convenience. This is a dog that will turn on you. This trait is not limited to the canid world. People do it too. Friends, spouses, colleagues, politicians. It's where we are today, and it may be soon a matter of survival who you trust. And one thing I can tell you without a moment's hesitation is there's one who will look you in the eye. And we even let him on the furniture. He's Dan Newman. <laughs> I get to sit on the sofa and the chair. Well, I'm not a dog, but boy, people sure love me. Well, maybe not so much. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Tuesday at TNN Live. Every Tuesday, we have a special second hour so we do today. Again, Steve Baker will join us. He was in studio last week, but he is back at the Blaze Network over in Dallas-Fort Worth, and he's going to weigh in with the latest on some things that he touched upon last time he was with us, but he couldn't report and give you all the details. Well, he's got some details for us this Tuesday morning. He'll be here at top of the next hour, 10 o'clock Central Time. If you got to go do something, make sure you're back by 10 o'clock because he is unveiling some things every week or so that he's fighting to get congressional leaders to let him take it public. Now put that in a put that in the understanding of what's happening in our nation. Those people are supposedly, those people I'm talking about, of course, are members of the U.S. Congress, both Senate and House. They supposedly work for us. But when it comes to clarity and truth and facts and keeping we the people informed about a lot of things, it is exactly the opposite. They control all of the information. Who can say what? Who can't say something? Who can release something? but who cannot? Now, that could be good or it could be bad. So the default position on all of that should always be we the people demand clarity on every issue, and it doesn't matter what the political ramifications are to us, we the people. We just want to know every day what the heck is going on. Where are you spending taxpayer dollars outside the United States and why not spend them at our southern border? More about that. Senate worked all night to get a bill together for Ukraine, and they did. Sit tight.
that song came out in the 80s. Boy, is it appropriate to sing today. Everybody wants to rule the world. Doesn't matter if it's politicians in North America, Central America, South America, Africa, all of Europe, Asia, despots in leadership across the globe. They demand that they be given soul power over the people they supposedly rule over. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. Whatever happened to that shining light on a hill called the United States of America that everybody on the globe looked to for answers? What can we do to make our lives better? Well, let's look at the way they're doing it in the U.S. That view has dimmed dramatically in the last three years. I think anybody with any shred of credibility will agree with that. And it has to do with government making government stronger and more powerful while watching the people they supposedly represent lose their butts economically. And in fact, the reason we are losing our butts economically are because of policy changes that are made not through the democratic process of government in the United States, but by a pen signing an executive order in the Oval Office. One person decides pretty much all of the most important issues of the day here. That cannot stand. We can't go down this road any further. Any further, we're going to find ourselves on the precipice of ceasing to be who we are. And we're close to that. We'll get into all of that. Of course, the second hour, Steve Baker will be joining us. It's going to be interesting to me to get his fix on what the special counsel's report that was released that is so controversial right now, what Steve Baker has to say about it. We've got some other people today in the show that are going to weigh in on their thoughts on that. Tucker, by the way, joins us in a little bit from the World Economic Forum. Now, I don't know about you, but I would never place Tucker Carlson at the WEF. I wouldn't, but he was invited and he went, and we have a little portion of some of the things that he said. It'll probably shock many of you. And we have economic news out today, and oh my gosh, it's bad for the government. It's bad for the administration. It's going to make them look bad. They thought they had taken us way up above the rainbow. We were all doing so fabulously in our economic issues. It's not so. We've said every month when these economic numbers come out, they're not real, folks. Don't don't make this a fact. It is not a fact. And very quietly at the end of last calendar year, we told you, we revealed to you, hey, guess what happened? The Biden administration job reports, they purposely overestimated the jobs every month in 2023. It wasn't many. It was only a million or so. But boy, when they told us about it during the year, they were taking victory laps. They were excited about it, weren't they? As were we, because things look so much better for us than they did when Donald Trump left the White House. Horse hockey. When you have a leader 
at any level in your life. It doesn't matter if it's at the business you work for, in your family, in your circle of friends, at your church, any other institution that you are involved with. If you have leaders whose primary purpose for being leaders is not for the people they're leading, but it's for themselves, that never works. It never works. What happened to the freedom and justice for all and the equality that comes just not from government, but from our creator? I don't know of a single government that has ever created a human being, so it can't be the government. But if you look and listen to the Biden folks, that's exactly what they maintain. Screw all this other stuff. You listen to us. We're going to tell you what to do. We may tell you why, but we may not tell you why. We may just tell you, here's what you're going to do, and you better do it. Life is not simple anymore. It isn't. I got my cognizance about life around me, and when I say life around me, outside of my immediate family, my little uh, area around my house where we lived, where I had my buddies, my friends. When I got outside of that, I began to understand things that I never even knew existed. Things like, not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to agree with you. It doesn't matter if you're five, six, seven years old or 70 years old. And people often opt to hatred if they disagree with anything you say or do. Or maybe you just don't look like somebody they like. It quickly turns to hatred. And if you dare do something they disagree with or say something they disagree with, it gets even worse. Not only hatred, they get mad. They get angry. And it escalates. And we're seeing that play out on the streets of every major city and many not-so-major cities across the nation. We, as a people in the United States of America have lost our way, period. You can throw religion in there. You can throw God in there. There's no question about it. In God we trust. I don't know a lot of people in my world that really, really act like they trust God. In fact, many of them don't even act like they believe in God. That's a story for another day. But I'm not saying these things to scare anybody, to beat anybody up, to denigrate anybody. That's not what this is about. It's for information purposes only. I throw these concepts out there, and it's up to you then to do something about it if you want to. If you don't want to, that is also up to you. But staying in a place where you're uncomfortable with your circumstances, and I'm talking about any area of life. I'm not just talking about in politics, any area of your life. First of all, God does not want you unhappy. He doesn't. But he also wants you to understand that your circumstances are, they shouldn't be, maybe they are, but they shouldn't be directly tied to your circumstances because circumstances change. Many times they change outside of our control. Sometimes things happen, you don't you can't have any way to explain it. Bad things happen. Did you do anything bad to warrant that happening to you? Many times the answer to that question is no. 
So where do we go when those things happen? If you're a Christian, you know the answer already. If you're not a Christian, let me tell you what you need to do. Get a Bible. Get the amplified version of the Bible and go to John, the book of John, the first chapter, and read it through. There's a roadmap in there that you'll be able to understand if you get the amplified version, but it tells you how you can put all of this stuff that's happening. You can't diminish what's going on. It's real. It's out there. We have government that is tightening down on the American people every single day. One of our friends, a frequent flyer at TNN Live, House Speaker now, Mike Johnson, he is being squeezed like a fresh orange And they continue to squeeze and harder and harder and harder. And it's not about him doing anything wrong. It's about him not towing the line that the bureaucracy state called the United States House of Representatives, called the White House, the United States Senate. They're the ones that are putting the squeeze on. And it's not about what's good or right. The squeeze is to force the House Speaker, into the same thought process and bundle of beliefs that they are saying, we've got to push this down the throats of the American people. And if you want to be one of us, you've got to do it. You've got to take your dose just like the rest of us. Now, you can question if I know what I'm talking about. I can tell you, and I will tell you, I know what I'm talking about. Being a politician and trying to stick to your guns and your beliefs and your values, it gets harder and harder every day in the United States of America. When our politicians, you know where they're looking for a lot of leadership for us? To Ukraine. We'll get into a bit of that in just a little bit. Ukraine is known on the planet to be the most financially corrupt nation in the world has been for decades, and our leaders know that. Have you wondered personally, why is there so much focus put on money for Ukraine? Money for Ukraine. We got to give them more money. They tell us it's because Russia, Vladimir Putin, he wants Ukraine. Do you know what Vladimir Putin wants Ukraine for? It's not because they're really financially big places to make a lot of money, and if I get Ukraine, I'm going to be able to have more money for us in Russia. It's not about that. He is a patriot. Vladimir Putin is a Russian patriot. Now, what does that mean, Dan? What's the difference between an American patriot and a Russian patriot? American patriots are the people that believe in the structure of the United States. That's number one in government for them, and it'll always be that way. The same hold true for Russians, people that believe in the Russian state. Vladimir Putin, he looks back over his shoulder. He looks at the state of Russia today compared to what it was in the Soviet Union, and I mean across the board. I'm not just saying pick one little thing out of life in Russia from back then and compare it to now. I'm talking about things across the board. A Russian patriot looks back at the Soviet Union and they think, wow, we were so much better off then. Now, 
You may disagree with that philosophy. I per- personally do, but I'm trying to explain where people are going and how they're coming up with these thoughts. So money is stolen left and right, has been for decades in Ukraine, and it's mostly stolen by people in government. By people in government. Why do you think Hunter Biden hooked up with Burisma, Burisma holding that big gas company? They were paying him a million dollars a month. I'm sorry, it wasn't a million a month. It was a million, I think it was two million a year. Who's keeping up with counting millions in this? It's all corrupt. Why do you think there was such a fixation on Ukraine and why there still is? It has to do with the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Always has been. Always will be. Why can I say that factually? It's in the Bible. Jesus said that. I believe Jesus. I believe he was born. He was a God son. He was born in a manger to a woman. He lived his life, spent three years, the last part of his life, a little more than three years, teaching people back then about what real values mean and how we can have eternal life and things, circumstances here could be made a lot better if we just adopted godly principles and he taught his disciples what they were and how to do it. I believe all that. And I also believe this, if we don't go down that road in some shape or fashion, and I'm not talking about church, I'm talking about Christianity, a relationship, a direct relationship with the Son of God. Dan, you're 70 years old. You should know better than that. No. Let me tell you how I know there's nothing better than that. I've tried the other way. It don't work. You just get embroiled right in the middle of the the, the crappy things that you employ and make your own or choose to get involved in. I have good friends that have made bad boo-boos. In what ways, Dan? You think of a way that a person could do it. I've got people that have done it all that are my friends. Life is not about circumstances. It's having the ability to push through the circumstances by making good choices. And you don't just wake up one day and get a endowment from the stars You get it dropped into your brain. Here's your package of good choices. Now go live your life. It doesn't work that way. It teaches us to begin at a personal relationship with God through his son. And then to take that and apply that, those principles that you see in the Bible, in John, the book of John. I encourage you, all of you, read it. Get the amplified version. It's easier to understand. It tells you what living for God is and what the benefits are, and also points out the things that you're going to deal with if you don't create and nurture a personal relationship with God. It's not about church. Church is part of it, but it doesn't take care of everything. There's a spiritual trigger that's got to be pulled, and you're the only person that can pull it. 
I wasn't going down that road. And I don't know why I went there, but I think I was supposed to, somebody listening needed to hear that. So we got Steve Baker coming up in the second hour. We've got some things that we need to get to before Steve joins us because I want to give him the full time that he needs to bring us up to speed on some really important things that we've had floated out there and have been floating out there for some time. But he had a major breakthrough after he was with us last Tuesday. He'll be here at the top of the next hour to talk to us and tell us a little bit about it. And we've got some new economic numbers that just came out within the last hour. We'll give you all that and more right after this. Budweiser presents the world's first star in your own radio commercial. Okay, guys, whenever you hear this sound, insert your name. Hi there. Your name. Sorry I'm late. Sometimes there just aren't enough hours in the day to be a neurosurgeon and a swimwear model. Oh, am I thirsty. How about it? Your name. Got anything tall and cool? Oh, Budweiser long necks, though. Your name. You are so thoughtful. But of course, Bud's the first choice for every occasion. Ah, you know I have a confession to make. If I ever had a son, I'd want to name him. Your name. Oh. Your name. Come here. Now. Mm. Your name. Your name. Your name. Well, you did very well in your first commercial. Have a bud. You've earned it. This bud's for Your name. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Great shadow legends. I mean, wow. <laughs> you pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields, oh, they glisten like... Uh, wet otters but the bad guys they're lovecraftian they're spooky they're um um big and then you go to battle and it's like and finally your foe is vanquished and that satisfaction such a primal feeling Ooh, download raid shadow legends play for free welcome to mcdonald's may i take your order hi can i get a can I get a... Get in the McDonald's. Ooh, Ooh can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Yeah, can uh, I get a... Uh, 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 go, Bubba, go! Uh, uh, pick me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a... Uh, Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... Numbers are out, and yes, inflation numbers are out, and it ain't good, and the administration has already marched out their mind-numbed robots to proclaim, oh my gosh, it's getting so much better. It ain't. Inflation rose hotter than expected, 3.1% in January. Now, why is that the big deal? We knew I mean, we go shopping, we buy gas and food and all those things. We know it's more expensive now than it was before. So why are they telling us every time you watch a leftist news report, things are good. Oh my gosh, inflation's down, prices are down, people are making more money. None of that, none of that is true. So what what are the numbers? 3.1% inflation up for January, hotter than expected increase. And that further feeds the doubts that many of us had as to whether Federal Reserve will begin cutting interest rates this spring. 
probably ain't going to happen. And when we get the February numbers and they're down, I can promise you we're going to start hearing cries of look out, look out. We may be heading for a recession. How does this 3.1% compare to last month's? Well, last month's, which tracks changes in the cost of everyday good, the consumer price index, came in higher than the 2.9% number economists had expected. Core CPI. Now, what's the difference between CPI? CPI includes everything that we buy. But they wanted to make people feel a little rosy. So they, they pulled out a few items from the entire consumer price index, and they created a, a number called core CPI. That's the number that it leaves out volatile food and energy prices, you know. Now, I don't know about you, but they want to leave it out to tell us, I got to buy food. I've got to buy gas. I've got to heat my house. Why should they leave it out? It all goes to the same place, right? Well, that increased core CPI 0.4% in January to 3.9% after it rose 0.3% in December. That number, a closely watched gauge among policymakers, because they got to figure out what to tell us when they get on these news shows, right? Oh, man, things are looking better. We're going down the right road now. Joe Biden's got it happening. So the Dow Jones Industrial Average, before we signed on, it was it was headed down. <laughs> and it's because those folks in financial markets, they know the only people to get rich when we have high inflation, who do you think those people are? The filthy rich people that they put all their money in investments, and many of them in finance, dollar and cent types investments, certificates of deposit, and federal bonds. And so when inflation goes up, that means interest rates are probably going to go up, and that means they make more money just letting their money sit in the bank and do nothing. It's not good right now. I don't care what Carrie Jean-Pierre, KJP, what she tells those media hardcore people that meet with her every day in the White House briefing room. I don't care what she says. She is not an economist. She's not a doctor. She's not a politician. She's a reporter and a not very good one at that. It has nothing. Don't send me any dirty text or emails. I'm not talking about her skin color or her ethnicity, or her sexual preferences. I'm talking about what comes out of her mouth and what she's educated to do. None of those should she even weigh in on because she doesn't have a clue. Which brings up another point. Wouldn't you, if you were president, wouldn't you want to have the best person in the nation on that stage every day talking to the media people that are the ones that tell us, the American people, what's going on in our government? I don't know who made the choice there. She was, what was her name? What was the press, uh, the press secretary's name before her? Red hair. You see, you get so focused on one thing, you forget about the others. Oh, well, they haven't had any brain surgeons on that stage in this administration. Jen Psaki, 
I knew I'd remember it. Jen Psaki was the predecessor for KJP. Now, she could speak more fluently, and she did have a little more education than KJP on things of government that are related to the people. But she still did the same thing. I called her circle back. You remember when she was in these briefings? She would come up, and when she wanted to talk about something that they talked about from the podium three days before, she'd say, okay, let's circle back. And she did that every day. That's what I knew her for. Didn't remember her name, Jen Psaki. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, you heard overnight what happened in Congress. They did an all-nighter in the Senate. Man, they just work their butts off for us, don't they? So what are they working so hard for right now? Well, Dan, you know, we're going to run out of money here. We've only got just a little bit to go with that continuing resolution that gave us the right and the ability to spend money that we don't have. What are we going to do when we run out of money? Well, that's a great question to ask. Why don't you ring both of your U.S. senators from your state today, ring their offices and ask them that question. And then whatever congressional district you live in, call your congressman or congresswoman that is from your district and ask them the same question. Instead, guess what the Senate passed last night? Let's give Ukraine some more money. And they were so committed, so committed, that they decided they'd stay up all night. Whew. They stayed up and stayed up, and they passed giving a bunch of money. Bunch of money. More money to Ukraine. $95 billion emergency defense spending bill. Oh, by the way, 22 Republicans joined the majority of Senate Democrats to pass it. $95 billion. It passed 70 to 29. It took place shortly before 5 this morning following an all-night filibuster by conservatives who objected to the bill. If I'd have been there, I would have volunteered to filibuster myself. This comes nearly four months after Biden sent a request to Congress to fund Ukraine in its war against Russia and nearly a week after the dramatic collapse of a bipartisan border security package that would have unlocked aid for Kiev. It's more important for every senator in the U.S. Senate And these 22 Republicans in the U.S. Senate, it's more important to all of them to give billions of more dollars, $95 billion total in the package. Some of it went to Israel. Some of it went to some other places. But the big getter in it all was Ukraine. Giving that money to Ukraine is more important than, um, how about doing this? Enforcing the law at our southern border to keep tens of millions of illegals who we have no idea they are, what they're here for, what they did wrong, where they came from, if anything, and what are we going to do? What are they coming to the U.S. for? For us to pay for everything in their lives, and we're doing it. 22 Republicans in the Senate joined to pass this giveaway to Ukraine, and they won't even shut the southern border. Legislation faces an uncertain future in the House. Once again, our buddy Speaker Mike Johnson said it would not even be put up for a vote in the House. Why is that? The House demands 
securing the southern border before we spend any money anywhere else on earth. And I support them 100%. Former President Trump and his allies in the House and Senate, they've opposed giving more money to Ukraine, demanding action at the border first, and they're arguing now for something that makes a little bit of sense to me. I don't know about you, but instead of us just writing blank checks and handing them to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, make him sign a loan agreement, we give them money and they borrow it, and it's got terms for payback with interest. How about that? Well, that doesn't seem fair, Dan. How can they commit to that? They're in war. They don't know where they're going to get their next mill from or who they're going to be looking to for governing in a week or two. They can't commit to that. Well, here's the whole thing we are told that we've got to send Ukraine more money. Here's the reason why. They'll fall to Russia. And when that happens, they're going to belong to Russia. And we can't let that happen. Now, how many NATO countries are around Ukraine over there? Well, Ukraine's not a member of NATO. No, but if it is such a dire emergency for the United States We're thousands of miles away. We don't have any borders even close to Ukraine. Why are we the big givers to Ukraine? And I'm going to ask a question. I'm not insinuating anything, but I'm going to ask this question. You process it for yourself. Jesus said the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money itself, but the love of money is the root of all evil. Do you think Ukraine's history of being the most financially corrupt nation in the world and they've doubled and tripled and quadrupled on that very label for the last 60, 70 years, do you think that might have anything to do with us shipping them over another big bundle of cash? Did you forget what happened two months ago? Uh Uh-oh, he's going down the rabbit hole. There was some corruption that was uncovered in Ukraine. And the corruption had to do with what? Money and arms that we gave them. What are you talking about? Employees from a Ukrainian arms firm conspired with defense ministry officials. Not our defense ministry officials. Ukraine. They embezzled $40 million that we had sent over there for the war. And it was earmarked. The money we sent, we labeled it. This is to buy 100,000 mortar shells for the war with Russia. Five people have been charged with one person detained while trying to cross the Ukrainian border involved in this. If this guy's found guilty, he faces up to 12 years in prison. If you think he's going to be found guilty in a court and is going to go to prison, raise your right hand right now. I'm looking around the studio, not a single hand up. Probably yours isn't up either. Now we're told Kiev, that's the capital of Ukraine, they are attempting to clamp down on corruption in a bid to speed up its membership into the European Union and NATO. 
Officials from both blocs have demanded widespread anti-graft reforms before Kiev can join them. Now, the Biden administration will not. They refuse to get into anything to hold Ukraine responsible for any of that money. There are no auditing provisions in any piece of legislation that's been passed, certainly not within Joe Biden's executive orders to fund Ukraine. So in other words, we're shipping over a bunch of money and they're telling us, hey, thank you for the bucks. Here's what we're going to spend it on. And they're not spending it on what they told us they were going to spend it on. In fact, their own people are stealing $40 million cash that we Americans, we didn't want our government to give it to them, but they did anyway. And they told us, don't worry about it. Everything's okay. Same way they do over here. We don't have any money to send to Ukraine. We don't. None. What do we have to do to get it? We borrow it. How do how does the government borrow money? They print treasury bills, bonds, and they sell them to investment people from all around the world. Most of them are sold right here, and they are owned by, guess who, American citizens who have retirement funds that are being managed by those over the retirement funds. And where do those people love to invest that money? In bonds, U.S. Treasury bonds. Make you feel warm and fuzzy for that $150,000, you have socked away in your 501c3 or your simple IRA all these years. And you expect when you get ready to retire, you're going to have two fifty, three hundred, maybe even a half million dollars. And then you find out, oh my God, they invested most of that in treasury bonds. And by that time, they're worthless paper. Or they may still be worth something. But what makes something that you start at a price, what makes it grow in value? It's got to be working in whatever it's doing. I don't think anybody can credibly say the American economy is working too well for taxpayers. Can you believe our Congress just jumps in this? And it's now, it's bipartisan fraud. Both of the U.S. senators from my state voted for this piece of crap in the wee hours of this morning. Both of them did. I can't, I can't believe especially John Kennedy, Senator John Kennedy, would do it. Cassidy, the other senator, I don't, you know, the book's out on him. It always has been. One U.S. senator took this to task to try to force our government to make sure the money we taxpayers are giving, not only to Ukraine, but anybody overseas that we give them money. Marco Rubio from Florida introduced a bill, Trusted Foreign Auditing Act of 2023. He introduced that on December 13th, right before Christmas. It's coming out of his committee he serves on in the in the U.S. Senate, Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs. So on 12-13-2023, the bill was read in the Senate, and then it was referred to the Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs. 12-13. Guess what state it's in right now? It's still in the Senate Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs Committee. It hadn't even been taken up. And yet, 
Senate wants to write another big check and give some more money array. Have no idea where it's going or what it's being used for. But they tell us in Ukraine it's going to be used to beat Russia. Except for the $40 million that guy ripped off. He probably had to run down to the Mediterranean and do a little upgrade. He was thinking about getting a 160-foot yacht. Now he's going to get a 200-footer because he got $40 million more. Thank you, Americans, for financing my yacht. You got to laugh about it or you'll cry. So what else is happening we're going to talk about? Who voted for the Ukraine package? Wouldn't you like to know? I just told you my two senators did. You want to know what some did? Okay. How about all 22 Senate Republicans who voted to give this away to Ukraine? Senator John Boozman of Arkansas. These are all Republicans. Shelley Moore Capito, West Virginia. Bill Cassidy from Louisiana. Susan Collins from Maine. John Cornyn from Texas. Kevin Kramer, North Dakota. Mike Crapo, Idaho. Joni Ernst, Iowa. Chuck Grassley, Iowa. John Hoven, North Dakota. John Kennedy, Louisiana. Mitch McConnell, Kentucky. Jerry Moran, Kansas. Lisa Murkowski, Alaska. James Risch, Idaho. Mitt Romney, Utah. Mike Round, San Diego. Dan Sullivan, Alaska. John Thune, South Dakota. Tom Tillis, North Carolina. Roger Wicker, Mississippi. And Todd, Todd Young from Indiana. They're supposed to represent us. I don't know about your state, but those two names from Louisiana senators, their state is en masse against what they're doing. I thought they represented the people that vote for them and put them in office. That's what they're supposed to do. But obviously, we know now that ain't what they're doing, right? So let, let, let me just talk about one media purpose. Let's talk about two. Steve Ducey this morning, one of the morning show anchors, has been with Fox News, Fox and Friends for many, 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 many years. He just went postal this morning talking about that Senate so-called Board of Security bill that it just got obliterated when they tried to get it up for a vote last week. And he explained why that bill didn't pass last week. I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but here's the substance of what he said. Republicans, because Donald Trump instructed them to do so, decided to vote against it. Where did that come from? What Steve Ducey said that it failed to pass because Donald Trump told his Senate partners, don't vote for it. In other words, Steve Ducey, who's the same kind of guy as me, he just got, he's got a whole lot more money, him doing what he does on Fox than I do from being here on TNN Live. <laughs> the paychecks don't come here. My point is symbolism over substance. There's a lot of that going on in Congress. And it's not just Congress. Why would Steve Ducey say that? Somebody put it in his ear. Maybe it was his producer in the earpiece when he was on set this morning on Fox and Friends, it may be. I don't know. 
But it doesn't sound like a conservative voice saying that. That tells you a lot. There are changes going on in the media world, and don't think for a second any of this stuff you're hearing, any of the actions that are taken, any of the things these big media giants are doing is just accidental. It is so planned out, researched, focused, grouped, every decision that's made about everything regarding presenting media to their watchers, and that rules everything. Substance? Well, we hope it's substantive, but many times it's not. Another person that lives in that world is another member of Fox News that I've always had trouble with, Britt Hume. On Monday's edition of Special Report, Fox News Chief political analyst Britt Hume stepped to the plate. He pushed the latest in a long line of hoaxes, and while not going as far as others who have portrayed Trump as a Kremlin sleeper agent, Britt Hume suggested that the likely Republican Party nominee's words are practically, and this is a quote, an invitation for Vladimir Putin to invade Europe. This came as he was asked for his take on a Wall Street Journal editorial board column that stated the former dotes on dictators by anchor Brett Baer. Hume responded, and while tempering his criticism as just Trump being Trump, he still pushed the NATO hoax that has been concocted by the usual suspects. Here's what he said, quote, My guess that Brett was, it is, it's typical Trump loose talk. This is Brit Hume speaking. My guess is that he meant it as a way of threatening NATO allies that haven't paid their full freight, to which they're supposedly committed and have said they would pay, and they're not doing it. All of them. A lot of them are, but some of them are not, and so he's trying to get them to pony up. But loose talk about possibly not backing our NATO allies in the event of an attack from an enemy, particularly including Russia, is not helpful. The one thing that the war in Ukraine has done, it has brought NATO closer together. It has strengthened NATO's hand. It has gotten more members into NATO. And the alliance now stands at a greater strength than it has in some time. And that's a good thing, he said. And the president is not wrong that some allies have not paid their full freight. But this kind of talk tempts dictators, tempts aggressors, and doesn't help. The lies about Trump's remarks, they're being spread far and wide by who? By Joe Biden, by Hillary Clinton, by Liz Cheney, and of course, who else? Nikki Haley. By the way, the reason she's still in the race is she's got lots of money. You know who's given her that lots of money? Nikki Haley. Warmongering donors, people in big defense industries, and corporations. They want war. Trump said, I made NATO strong, and he did. And even the rhinos and radical left Democrats admit that. When I told the 20 countries that weren't paying their fair share, they have to pay up and said, without doing that, you will not have U.S. military protection. When he said that, remember, it was a huge deal. It made the news nationally for days. 
they all begin to pay what they're supposed to pay. And what do they pay? We're not talking about them writing checks to NATO. What they must do, if you're a member of NATO, you give a certain percentage of your military aid. It goes into a pool in your country, but it's recognized as a donation to NATO to be used by your country in defending the whole of NATO if and when that has to happen. Until Donald Trump became president and went over and called them all to task in NATO, we weren't paying our fair share. We were paying more than anybody else, but we weren't paying the percentages that we were supposed to be paying. Immediately, Donald Trump started. And they started upping their percentage that they would send, but not a single one of them ever got to 100%. So what's wrong with Trump saying that? I mean, it's an agreement. Look, NATO's not going to come over here and help us fight a war. It's the other way around. Those European countries that are petrified that Vladimir Putin's sitting there with a belly full of nuclear weapons that he could unleash at any moment, And they look at us and say, can you give us some more money? Well, you don't pay your bills. So why should we? Trump said, after so many years of the U.S. picking up the tab, it was a beautiful sight to see. But now without me there to say you got to pay, they're at it again. That famous singer that's more than a singer. She's an American icon. Who are we talking about? You know, she was at the Super Bowl Sunday night cheering on her boyfriend. Tight end Kelsey. (laughs) Haters gonna hate. Cheaters gonna cheat. They're gonna do what what they do. What there are. What they are. What they're made of. And if people wanna short the system looking over their shoulders hoping the U.S. makes up the slack and we normally do that they're just going to keep on cheating keep on cheating wow talking with you not at you intelligent conversation TNN the Truth News Network here's the latest traffic report Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive, yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an Infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. 
your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Steve Baker joins us in a few minutes, but before we go to Steve, I want you to hear something a little back and forth. Tucker Carlson went to the World Economic Forum, and what the WEF is, it's a bunch of tycoons, multi-billionaires, They're all globalists. They want a one-world government, and they're spending their bazillions of dollars trying to make that happen. And, of course, they want to be able to choose whoever's going to lead that world, one-world government, if and when it happens. And they all want to be the guy or the girl that is in charge of it. So Tucker Carlson went over there, probably the most committed to the rule of law and to freedom and to democracy that I know of in media, Tucker Carlson. And I want you to listen to this back and forth. It's only a couple of minutes. But but there's somebody monitoring, moderating this segment, and Tucker responds to questions. Listen. Quick questions because I ran out of time. First question is, now in the American elections, we have probabilities. Either it's Biden and Trump or Biden and somebody else, not Trump, or no Biden and no Trump and circumstances or fate get us two different people representing a Republican or Democrats. What do you think, where are we going to reach uh, coming 19th of November? Who will be running the show? I haven't, honestly, I I haven't the faintest idea. But I, I think there's volatility ahead in our political sphere. I mean, clearly there is. Because I, I like you when you said, I, I don't have an, an idea. You, you, you have this courage of, to say that you don't know. You were telling me this morning that what, one of the things which you like very much about here, um, our, our President Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, God bless him, uh, when you ask him a question, if he doesn't have an answer, he tell me, actually, I don't know the answer of this question. I've never heard a leader of anything, whether it's a country or a company or a soccer team, ever in my life, in a life spent interviewing people. I've never heard a single one of them say, you know, I don't, I don't know the answer. It's very complicated. I haven't figured it out. I've never heard anybody say that. And to me, that is the, the purest sign of wisdom because wisdom grows from humility. Wisdom grows from the recognition that you are not God. And in the United States, we had a period where we were sort of, you know, having this debate about are some religions good and some religions bad? I'll tell you my view on it, and it's a hardened view. It's a sincere view. I divide the world not between Muslim, Jew, and Christian, or Buddhist. I divide the world between people who believe they're God and people who know they're not. And the only people I trust are in the second category, because that is the beginning of wisdom. When you know you are not God, that you cannot affect every change that you want, that you can't foresee the future, that you're not omnipotent, then you are much more likely to make good decisions, wise, humane decisions. By contrast, when you believe you have the power to shape the world and other people, as we were hearing this morning through, through you know, 
biohacking, um, when you think you can create a better human being through technology, you're very dangerous because you don't understand your own limits. And you will get a lot of people killed uh, when, you, when you have those false beliefs, in my opinion. In my opinion. Now, remember where he was. Davos, Switzerland, in the middle of all these people. You couldn't even... Davos has got a, an airport that's geared for a lot of jets. People go there to ski. It's a great place to get away from all over Europe and around the world. But when they have the WEF, hundreds of private jets fly in there to talk about how they're the only ones that should be allowed to fly in private jets. Because, well, after all, they're who they are. You know, we've got to let them do anything they want to do, but you don't even think about it. And then Tucker just took it right down to the bone and just made it very clear what he really was meaning is all you sycophants out there that are listening to me in this room, you're qualified to be one of those people that I say shouldn't be in power because you think you know everything. Isn't it interesting when somebody makes a commitment to tell the truth, period? That's the person that when somebody calls, this guy sitting in the den next to the kitchen, kitchen phone rings, his wife answers the phone, and it's Billy calling to speak to the guy sitting in the living room. And she says, it's Billy. And you say, oh, no, 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 no. Tell him I'm not here. She looks at you and then she looks at the phone and said, Billy, I'm sorry he's not here right now. Hangs up the phone and she said, why did you lie to Billy? And he grinned at her and said, I didn't lie, you did. You're the one that told him I didn't. That's a little white lie. See, that's okay. When you justify something for you that is wrong, but anybody else that does it is evil. Why? Because you say it's evil. It's not okay for them to lie, but it's okay for me to whenever I want to. That's exactly the world that we're living in today. And it's okay. We've normalized that. Oh, don't worry about it. It'll all come clean in the wash, <laughs> right? Well, let's see if we can rouse Mr. Baker up this morning. He's not connected. He is not connected. How did this happen? Just so you know how the studio works, our studio line, it connects into our, um, our equipment through Bluetooth. Believe it, that is the simplest way to process a phone call and to get it live on the air is just connect your console through Bluetooth to your phone. Or many studios have a, a, a phone, not a regular phone, but they have it something like that have it uh, sitting there. And now, through Bluetooth, Bluetooth we're done. So now Bluetooth work this time. Good morning, sir. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing good. You're, could, you're on live. I just want to tell you, so don't, I, I don't, could, don't cuss. Yeah, don't yeah. cuss. Right, right, right. I, I could hear your Bluetooth this morning. I just couldn't hear, <laughs> couldn't hear mine. Well, what's your uh, part of geography today? Are you still in the Dallas-Fort Worth area? I am. I'm uh, staring out the uh, window of the second floor of the Blaze Studio Complex here in uh, Irving, Texas. Well, good. Um, yeah. For those of you that didn't know this, 
I, I talked about this on the show a few days ago. Steve was in town here for several days, and we got to get together. He was um, He's really been going through some tough stuff at this January 6th stuff, the really big stuff that's happened, and now it's expose time. Steve mentioned a little bit of it to us last Tuesday when he was with us, and I think maybe there are some changes that have happened. Can you bring us up to date? Yeah. Uh, can you hear me right now? Yeah. I just lost you for a second there, but I will uh, try to try to get you up to date here real quick. I may have to um, I may have to change my uh, uh, my headset here. Hold on. Go ahead. Just Go ahead. a moment. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, go ahead and feel the air for a moment there, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could, I could tell them what you're probably going to say. Tell them what you know. I just know, yeah. I, I just know I'm in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I'm happy. I've got a great family. I've got great friends and people that are mentors, kind of like Steve Baker. And it's fun to be alive when you got that that kind of stuff all going for you. Doesn't mean everything's going to work all the time. Listen, he's throwing stuff around over there and making noise on the air. But it's okay. We can handle that. He's big time. All right. All right. All right. All right. Am I, am I back? You're here. Does it sound better All to right. you? Yeah, yeah. I can hear you now. Good. Very good. good. Well, bring us up Sorry to date. Sorry about this. Well, if I bring you up to date on everything, I'd have to shoot you. But um, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. No, thanks. Uh, it's no, thanks. No, it's, it's an interesting time right now because we are – in the middle of, I would, I would say a, uh, a hotbed of, um, breaking stories that interestingly, and I know people don't understand this process. We're in the middle of stories we can't even talk about yet, which is, which is on its own, a very frustrating thing because we know things that not only do we desperately want to bring to the public that the public desperately wants to hear and that is a vital uh, public interest, but there are other powers, other forces, and I'm speaking about specifically congressional committees and congressional investigations that are happening, that if we go forward with these stories, it will mess up their investigations. So we're being asked to sit on what we have. And, you know, that's kind of frustrating, but we also know that in the bigger picture, in the longer term, it's going to be better for the country. It's going to be better for us. It's going to be better for you, the audience, and particularly, ultimately, we hope better for those that, as I'm speaking specifically about January 6th issues right now, the people whose lives have been really, you know, devastated by this process, we hope that we can help them. Uh, and so it's one of those things where, unfortunately, sitting on the story a little longer is going to be better for everyone. How so? Well, I, I think if, if, we ju- if we jump prematurely, then other, the opposing forces would have more time to react and to build up their defenses and and uh, come up with a alternative narrative. And yet if we wait and as we combine our forces, uh, I'm talking about multiple uh, media investigators and then also congressional investigators within those committees. As we, as we bring all of these things together at one time, then 
we we have a we have a stronger case to help these families, particularly ones that are, you know, as I said, sitting, some of these men and women that are sitting in prison, some of them that have uh, legal problems still pending. And this is, of course, affecting, as you know, thousands of lives, not just the 1,300 people who have been arrested so far related to January 6th crimes, but they're, as you know, they're targeting another 2,000 at least that they're going to try and squeeze in here over the next two years before the statute of limitations runs out in January of 25. Before we go down to the ground level on this, I want you to stay at the 10,000-foot level and tell us, without naming names or specific instances, from a global perspective, how big are these things? And I'm telling you this, folks. Steve and I sat and we talked about this for hours, so I know a lot of things and, you know, he'll kill me if I share him with you, so I'm not going to share him with you. you only get him when he's back here with us and can share them. But how big are these unknown things? That's number one. Number two, how big is the government attempting to squelch it, squelch it or whatever you want to call it, and keep these things hidden permanently? Uh we, Dan, we think they're big. Now, when we say we, we know that when we roll these stories out and this evidence out that we're finding related to multiple uh, January 6th related incidences, that half of the country is going to see how big it is. And then, of course, we know because of the political nature uh, and the times in which we live that the other half is going to uh, look at it negatively and they're going to uh, – uh, you know, disparage the findings that we have. They're going to call it into question. They're going to say we manipulated timelines or we manipulated evidence or that it's just not uh, substantial enough. But ultimately, we have to convince the congressional members. We have to convince the courts. We have to we have to go and bring these findings to uh Hopefully, the the sound and remaining good people that believe in the law, believe in the rule of law, believe that we are a nation of laws and not a nation of uh, of political will, uh, and 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 that when we do that, we we hope to to gain the ground that that we think we can with these stories. And I will I will tell you that I I don't know uh, how can I say this I don't know. If the DOJ, the Department of Justice, I don't know if members of the left side of the political aisle in Washington will open their eyes wide enough to go, okay, 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 yes, you you have made a convincing argument here. Because just like just like with our story about Special Agent David Lazarus and Officer Harry Dunn, we we have absolute conclusive proof that these two uh, federal officers lied in court. They, by our minds, the Department of Justice should have already moved. Judges should have already moved upon this. The uh, appellate courts uh, courts should have taken um, and accelerated the uh, review of these men's cases uh, that were convicted of these crimes falsely by virtue of of perjurious perjurious, uh, testimony. We know that that's what should have happened, but it didn't. And we know that we can only continue to bring the truth to the American people and then hope finally that it becomes so overwhelming and that the scales of justice 
become so lopsided uh, just by virtue of the truth piled up on one side that we can finally start getting uh, movement on this. And that's, you know, that's my, that's what I'm, that's what's motivating me right now. I mean, look, I, 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 I told, I told uh, a couple of uh, very high ranking uh congressional staffers just in the last week. And you know this, I told them, I said, I am compelled by virtue of the fact that I now am no longer quote unquote, an independent journalist. I, I have somebody that is uh, covering the costs and the expenses of me doing these investigations. Now I work for them. I draw a paycheck from them. Now I have an obligation to create a story and to get a quote unquote scoop but far more important to me than a scoop is restoring the lives of those who have been unjustly prosecuted in this process. So at the 30,000 foot level, can you give us some, not specific, but some particular, oh, I don't know, zip codes, and I'm using that loosely, not meaning literally, (laughs) of these things that, and I will say this, they're very explosive. And when they come out, it's going to change a lot of things that you and I have been told for three years were factual. And we were told, don't you dare believe anything other than what we're telling you. I think what we're finding out now, slowly, we're discovering that them telling us that, demanding that we don't even think about, for instance, election meddling. Oh, you can't even intimate there's any possibility. A single election was bad or there was cheating or irregularity there. If you are, we're going to label you a denier, an election denier. Mm -hmm. They're doing that. Why so diligently? Is it true that there really is a bunch of really bad factual information that is going to come out of this, that it's going to mess up some people's lives in various parts of the government? In a just world, it should. Uh, You took me from 10,000 feet to 30,000 feet, uh, by the way, in that last question. Uh, (laughs) But the the uh, the the reality is, is that I I mean, I don't mind telling you from a 30,000 foot perspective is that I see more clearly today than I did on uh, when I released my second January 6th story on February 24th of uh 21, just only six weeks after January 6th, I see more clearly today exactly how this was put together. I know whose desk this goes to. I have had conversations as recent as yesterday with people that were there in the mix of the, oh gosh, you, you asked for a zip code and I almost gave you one. No, don't. Uh, but <laughs> but pe- people that were, people that were watching the development in real time of January 6th before anybody knew that this was coming that have basically given us the, the leads that we need now we just have to we have to connect it. It's it's like can you? It, it's a it's it's a imagine this that we know the exit where the exit to the maze is. We know where the entrance is to the maze. We're somewhere right in the middle right now. We just have to navigate now those final few turns 
And then once we do that, we can close the loop um, and guide the rest of truth, the rest of the truth seekers to um, whose desk we lay this upon. I will tell you that I am convinced now that I know where this goes. So we're talking about people in the Department of Justice. And folks, you got to realize there are numerous departments in the Department of Justice. We usually think when you say DOJ, we usually think about the Attorney General in his office or the FBI. But there are many more subgroups, sub-offices, sub-things that are part of the Department of Justice. How rampant is this stuff that you're seeing firsthand now? Well, you've seen it before, but then you you got to get authorization to bring those things to the public, get a release from the government. You're fighting to do that. How many times and how much more is there that needs to be exposed that you think there's a good probability it won't be permiss- uh, permission, there won't be permission to expose it? How much of that is ever going to come out? I think that if I am ever shown the, uh, or let's just say if I'm ever given the ultimatum that I can't bring the truth to the American people, I'm actually told you cannot do that. At that moment, it's time just to burn the palace down. I won't, it won't stop me and it won't matter. Paycheck won't matter. Uh, rules won't matter. The uh, relationships that I've built on Capitol Hill won't matter. If I'm ever told you cannot bring this because this will uh, hurt a certain public official or this will uh, harm our party, well, then that's the moment that I burn it all down. For the many, many, many of you that are listening right now, and our numbers today, Steve, I won't give you a number, but they're through the roof. People know you're coming back, and they know there are a lot of things that are hanging out there that you're working on and waiting to get that permission to go put that out there for the American people. Um, I'm going to tell the people just one little thing that happened between you and I when you were here. One of the reasons we got together was Steve did what's called reading someone in. And there's one particular thing that are among numerous of things that are on the table now, but one particular thing that came to a head, and it sounded like it was possibly going to ramp up to be something really nasty on a personal level. Steve read me into it, So I would know all of the details of it that he knew at the time. And just in case, just in case, in case of what? In case of something happening to him. He needs somebody in the world in which he lives, in real investigative journalism. You got to understand, sometimes people are so committed to a cause or to a purpose. And it doesn't matter if that cause or purpose is right or wrong. If they're sold out to it, sometimes people do really stupid things and other people pay the prices for that. Vince Foster, he was the first um, White House person that worked under Bill Clinton. You remember him? He went from Arkansas to Washington, uh, D.C. into Clinton 
administration. And he got crossways with the Clintons on some things that had to do with the presidency. And he was a jogger, and he went jogging one day in Washington Park, never came home. He was assassinated. They called it a suicide. I saw with my own eyes the autopsy, and he was suicided by two bullets in the back of his head. That really happened. And then they destroyed the real autopsy report. The reason I saw it, I won't do any names or anything, but the person that was over the department at the hospital that took care of that showed it to me, and he was reading me in. My friend in D.C. was reading me in in case something happened to him. This is not just television and mystery stories. This is not a novel. This is the life that you and I it's happening while we're alive that we don't know about, but it's there. And we know our government is really powerful, but I'll bet you, and I've not asked you this, Steve, but I'm going to ask you now. Did you, before you waded into the mud and this January 6th stuff, when you got off the camera and you started going around and putting pieces together to come up with the facts that you've revealed much of so far with much still waiting to be revealed, did you think it was as bad as it is what you're finding now? No, because I, I I couldn't believe that the corruption is as widespread as it is. Look, we know we know that the swamp is the swamp. We know that inside the Beltway of D.C. is a um, uh, inherently corrupt environment. When you have that much money being sucked out of the rest of the country into, as you said, a zip code, basically, or, you know, a a handful of counties that are leeching trillions of dollars from the American people into one community, that that is just a breeding ground of corruption. I mean, the, the, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. And, and, and essentially, we're, we're talking about the most money on the planet is being is being siphoned off of the rest of the country and much of the rest of the world into that community. So it's going to be inherently corrupt beyond belief. But you still hope that because we elect legislators from our hometowns and our home counties, our home states, our districts, that we're sending good people back there to do good things and correct those problems. But you just never, ever understand how dark it is until you're in the middle of it. And then when you have and you're sitting at the table with people that you honestly believe are on your side and on your team and have the best interest of the country at heart, or even, Dan, just the best interest of that innocent person sitting in a prison cell somewhere because a federal agent lied about him in court, you would think that that person you're sitting across the desk from or sitting at a conference table with would take the actions necessary to right that wrong. But then they look down at their own political connections and they make the calculation, okay, what's the best thing for me in this circumstance? Because if I allow this truth to go out, that's going to sever my connection with so-and-so, or that's going to uh, 
bring down a very important person. And that ultimately will, uh, my fingerprints will be on that. Therefore, we cannot tell that story. And therefore, I need to block that story. That's literally what I've been up against in the last two weeks. So in your life, as you're living it out now, and you're working for the Blaze Network, and folks, if you're not involved in the Blaze Network, I encourage you to do so. It's some very good independent reporting about many things, some of which you never hear on this show. But they are truth tellers, and they make sure facts get out. This is not ordinarily just a really easy thing to do. It takes a whole lot of work and a whole lot of time. Uh, spending time with Steve like I have the last few weeks because he's been in Dallas-Fort Worth and back over here in northwest Louisiana several times. We've been able to get together. I've watched as we are talking in the middle of the day, and I'll just go ahead and say it, at my cigar bar at the front of my (laughs) development here, and Steve is a cigar guy and I'm a cigar, but we sit there for hours and I watch him getting text out the wazoo about one specific thing that he's investigating and trying to get everything cleared and all the I's dotted and T's crossed so he can go ahead and publish it. And it's like pulling teeth to get little bitty tidbits, little things like, okay, you're authorized, go ahead and do it. But even before you get to that point, well, I don't know, you know, I need to think about this or I need to run it up the flagpole. Politics controls everything about government. Even somebody that is looking at the real answers for any questions that anyone would ask about anything, they control all of the narrative. And anybody that thinks it's otherwise, you need to you need to check yourself. Mike Johnson, prime example. Um, fortunately, after Mike Johnson became the speaker, one of these issues came up, Steve called me and I reached out to Mike on the phone and I told him, it's very critical that you call Steve Baker right now. And that's all I did. He said, great, I will. And it just so happened, I didn't know this, but he was getting on the jet that he has to, he's required God help him. Somebody's got to struggle and do it. But a U.S. owned and operated private jet for him to fly as the House Speaker because he's got 24-7 armed guards with him, secret services everywhere because he's number three in the line of secession to the presidency. He could become the president at any moment. So I didn't know it, but he called Steve and he was in the jet in the air when he calls Steve and they talked it through and stuff like that. But little things that we take for granted, little circumstances like that. And I will tell you this about House Speaker Mike Johnson. He's a great Christian man. I've known him for a long time. He's a good friend. I know his family. They're good people. And he is on the edge of being destroyed as House Speaker for one reason and one reason only, politics. Not about facts, not about good, not about bad, not about right or wrong. It's about politics and who controls that. That's where the struggle always is. Who controls what is given to the American people in the way of information and who can stop that from going out? 
And here's a guy that he's given his life to be investigating all of the wrongdoing. And he's not out there looking for a story. Steve's out there looking for the facts. And there's a big difference there. You talked about shaping things for the Democrat purpose. Look at what happened when that special counsel came out and he released that report about Joe Biden's mishandling of those classified documents. Nobody wants to talk about the stuff that was in the contents about he did illegally and committed multiple felony offenses by handling classified documents. He was never a U.S. president. He handled them like he was a U.S. president and had that authority to do it. He never was. All of the documents, 1,800 boxes of documents he had, and it was an accident. Nobody, nobody, I didn't, they just did it. 1,800 boxes? Come on now. All of that happening, it proved that the man committed criminal acts, but that Donald Trump appointed prosecutor in the FBI, in the Department of Justice, he came out and plainly stated, and I'm sure he struggled with it because he knew what happened was going to happen. The left have piled on him relentlessly. They're all the left. When we say, when we talk about the left, we're talking about Democrat Party, top to bottom, and some others that call themselves another name for their political status, but still they're in the tank with all of this. They're purpose-driven, too. And what drives them, their purpose, is not about their oaths of office, not about protecting and defending the Constitution of the United States, but what is good for them and their political party. That's all that matters. And if you are not like-minded, you don't even deserve to be breathing the same air. And they really believe that. They'll say it, they'll look at you and lie through their teeth if it doesn't fit the political narrative of that day. And, oh, that narrative will change from time to time, but they control all that as well. Does that ever just drive you crazy? Do you go to sleep at night, Steve, trying to get to sleep, but you've got all this stuff rolling over in your mind? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's that's almost a, a nightly issue at this point. But uh, you know, I'll I'll I'll, clo- I'll close it up by by telling your audience this, and then and then asking for them to pray about this okay. uh, because I, I've got to I've actually got to run to a video meeting right now. But the the there was something that I saw eight weeks ago in D.C. and it was so impactful that I walked down the hall in the congressional building and I went to a senior congressional staffer. I told him what I saw and I told him what the four pieces of information that I needed. Some of this was video, some of this is audio, and some of this is documents to tell this story and bring this story to the American people. I said, I need this, will you give it to me? I'm standing at his desk, he said yes. I said, then I need this and this. Will you give those to me? He said, yes. And then finally, I need that. Am I going to get it? He said, yes. Eight weeks later, he was burying that information. Why? 
I think what I think we well, there's there can only one, there can only be one answer to that. At the end of the day, either he's a participant in the cover up or someone higher than him, more powerful politically, put his thumb on him and said, this information is not getting out because this is going to hurt somebody else that we know, somebody else that's important to us. And I think that we have now navigated our way around that situation and we'll be getting these materials that we need. But with that said, all of that is ultimately going to, whether they make it into my hands, make it into print through the blaze, make it through the, you know, our, our, our video guys and make it to blaze TV or wherever we release this. It's ultimately going to take, um, <laughs> you know, when you say an act of God, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's why I asked for prayer. It, this may take an act of God. And in order for this to finally reach clearance level at the highest levels, in order for me not only to have it, acquire it, but to release it. Well, so there's there's your prayer, prayer request for the day. Let's take care of that right now. Let's pray, folks. God, consider your servant Steve. He's a truth and fact finder, and he's doing it within the law, and he's doing it for the betterment of every. United States citizen. Thank you for guiding him. Thank you for covering him. Thank you for taking care of him so far. I pray now that the truth will out on this latest thing, that all closed doors will be opened to Steve so that the American people can find one more truth than they have right now with which they can make their own determinations and their own decisions. I pray that you would protect Steve Baker from the wilds of Washington, D.C. and from the swamp, and you've given him favor already in many circles. We thank you for that. But I pray that you would lead him into any relationship necessary to support the United States Constitution and all of those that are doing like things as he is, wanting to make sure that we the people are still the ones that are in charge in our government as it's supposed to be. Protect him physically. Protect him mentally and emotionally. And we'll thank you for that in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dan. Brother, anytime. I'm an easy got it. I'm an easy date. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you learned I'm not a cheap date. So. No, 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 you're not. Cigars are expensive. <laughs> yeah, they are. Hey, well, buddy. Those are the ones we like. Yeah. Right. Hey, you have a great stay over there, and if you're headed back this way, Marianne said make sure and let her know. He missed the cinnamon roll thing last week, but she fixed him up. Was it yeah, Friday? She did. Was it Friday? Uh, I think it's Thursday. I think Thursday I ran by and grabbed a handful <laughs> Uh, he got his own full pan of cinnamon rolls, and uh, they're special. They really are. I, yes. I keep telling her she needs to sell these things. I've never seen I'm telling you. anywhere else I'm like hers. Yep. Maybe she's listening. She'll get the hint. <laughs> Steve, thanks for everything you do. Keep us posted any way we can help, okay? Thanks, Dan. All right. Talk, Talk to you soon. soon. Bye-bye. Yeah.
to rip him off. Yes, Dorothy? A reporter and crew from New Center 7 Wastebusters are here to see you, sir. New Center 7? Wastebusters. They expose mind-boggling waste of taxpayers' money right here in the Miami Valley. What do they want with me? They said you sold the government a ballpoint pen, sir. So? For $1,000. Well, it came with refills. And a jar of paper clips for $2,000. They were multicolored paper clips. Uh-huh. Red ones, blue ones. What should I tell the Wastebusters, sir? Do they have lights and cameras? And the ballpoint pen, sir. Tell them I went out my window down the fire escape and then booked down the street screaming like a madman. I don't think they'll believe that, sir. Mr. Ripamoff? <laughs> Watch News Center 7 expose government waste right here in the Miami Valley and see the Wastebusters in action. You can't escape them, sir! They're the Wastebusters! News Center 7 Wastebusters. Weeknights at 6. Coverage you can count on. They'll find him. For over 75 years, people have saved money with... Oh, with Geico. Oh, sorry. Here we go, from the top, and action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko, so... Cut it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75 years... <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good, I'm good. For over 75... <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Geico. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Hey, thanks for being here today. Uh, Let me just give you a little PS on Steve Baker and what's in the offing. This big thing that he's working on, and believe me, it is big. And if it gets published, it's going to expose some very out front in your face corruption from a very powerful entity in the Biden administration. I'm pretty sure I said that. Okay. When it comes out, when it's released, and it's on the verge of being totally released and put together and released to the nation, it's going gonna, it's gonna to crack walls all through Washington, D.C., and it's going to implicate a whole lot of people. Much of what he has done in the last six months regarding January 6th stuff It has just blown some of the departments in the administration to pieces. People have been fired. People have been reassigned. Certain people that are still involved in what he's working on now, they were reassigned to other parts of the government, and doing that makes them unreachable for Steve to talk to anymore. Hiding is what's going on. As soon as any of this happens, the blaze will obviously go live with it immediately. We're right after that here at TNN Live. So make sure you check in every day to make sure that you didn't miss something. And when it happens, it will really be something that you don't want to miss. Now let's move on. We've got, a gosh, 22 minutes left on the show today, some things we want to cover You know, every president has an annual physical done. 
And every president has always been very upfront and honest. They'll usually march out their doctors and put them out front to talk to the press about that particular president's physical well-being. So KJP, White House Press Secretary, she rejected the idea yesterday that President Biden should take a cognitive test. She said all that after his train wreck in that press conference last week. So during yesterday's briefing, Biden's spokesperson said that her boss won't be subjected to the testing of his mental faculties when he undergoes his annual physical this week, despite the mounting concern about his advanced age and whether he's fit for a second term. So when asked about the tests, KJP quoted White House physician Dr. Kevin O'Connor. Here's what the doc said, quote, the president proves every day in how he operates and how he thinks by dealing with world leaders, by making difficult decisions on behalf of the American people, whether it's domestic or it's national security. And then KJP, brain surgeon that she is, she weighed in. I have known this president since 2009. He's not just my boss, he's also a mentor to me, she added. And I've spent sometimes countless hours with him, whether it's in the Oval Office, whether it's on the road. And I believe for me, you're asking me my personal opinion. He is sharp. He is on top of things. He, when we have meetings with him, with his staff, he's constantly pushing us, getting, trying to get more information. So that has been my experience with this president. Anything else outside of that, I just shared with you what Dr. O'Connor said to me. And so I'll just leave it right there. So I don't need to tell you anything based upon what Dr. O'Connor had to say. You've watched the president. You've listened to the president. You have your own fix on our president. But you know what? When 80% of Americans, and I am combining Democrats and Republicans, the number today is at 80%. 80% say, based upon what they see and what they hear, they say Joe Biden is not ready and should not be reelected to serve a second term. Now, how do you ignore, if you're Dr. Kevin O'Connor, how do you ignore the cognizant decline that 80% of America have watched over and over and over again and came away with the same idea. Do you think there's a conspiracy theory out there to get Joe Biden? Well, it's not just in the United States. What about some conservatives, some other conservatives from another part of the world, like Australia? Before I go, let's check in on the leader of the free world, the man that special counsel Robert Hurd determined is too mentally deficient to stand trial, but he can apparently run the most powerful country in the world. You work that out. The Biden defenders from Kamala Harris to Hollywood stars like Barbara Streisand have come out strongly to defend the president. They claim he is cognitively sound. The LA Times even called his advanced stage a superpower, a superpower, really. Well, you be the judge. The brood here, it is used to make the brood beard. My memory is fine. The president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate. 
solid meeting with um, with uh, the uh, the Mitterrand from Germany. I mean, from France, looked at me and said, uh, said. Elderly man with a poor memory. I said, I'm going to be a president for everybody, whether you live in a red state or a green state. I, uh, um, anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to. Making Roe v. Word. The best way to get something done, if you, if you hold near and dear to you that you, uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. Of uh, Putin's kleptocracy. Uh, yeah. 50, 159,000 billion dollars let. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot him, uh, foot, foot uh, um, uh, um, what am I doing here? One, two. Well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. The, um. Oh my God. I mean, we could play these every day. If he goes out, maybe not even going out, if he stays in the White House and has anybody come in and it's a public entity, they come in and it's recorded, maybe a conversation, maybe a meeting. He does the same kind of stuff over and over and over again. And his doctor, Dr. Kevin O'Connor, he basically said, not these words, but he put it out there. This is the greatest thinker on the planet. He is well suited to run the most powerful nation on earth. He has the nuclear football with him, and he has every capability necessary to choose when to shoot a nuke at Moscow or Beijing. The Department of Justice, the special counsel, felt a little bit differently. His observations of the declining Joe Biden during interviews, five hours of interviews, one-on-one, five hours. I would give anything I have to have access to the video of those five hours. And there should be a way for it to be gotten and released with a FOIA request. But of course, they would fight it, fight it, fight it. And eventually, if it was ever released, Joe Biden would not only be out of office, he may have Assumed room temperature by that time. It would take years to get it. Till then, we're supposed to just believe what they tell us, right? During those interviews, the interviews themselves, being one-on-one with Joe Biden, led the prosecutor to conclude that a jury would be highly unlikely to rule against a, and this is a quote from the special counsel, sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory on charges related to the mishandling of classified materials, meaning that the doddering Democrat was too senile to even be charged. But he's not too senile to be the president of the United States and run the greatest country on the planet, right? He can still do that. Instead of just leaving it alone to be washed away by his spinners in the media, he had to go Show everybody worldwide that he's in great stride and everything's cool. He had that press conference. And when he gets up to speak, he mixed up the presidents of Mexico and Egypt. The third time in less than a week, he got confused about world leaders. 
Go back and look at the video from wherever he was first vice president and compare them to Joe Biden today. It's not even the same person. Representative Ronnie Jackson weighed in. He was the presidential physician when Barack Obama and Donald Trump were in office. He said this about Joe. He's got some serious issues. I've been saying that for a long time. Now the report says that. The special counsel report came out and said exactly the same thing. That was a special counsel appointed by the Biden DOJ, and they're saying the same thing that I and many Americans have been saying for a long time now. He's cognitively unfit to be our commander-in-chief. It's going to be a problem for us. It's a real national security issue. I mean, it's always been a national security issue, but it's a national security issue that just gets worse every day, every day. Incidentally, in the little time we have left, point this out. Joe Biden's job record is built on the record of hiring 2.9 million job-seeking migrants. Did you get that now? Migrants. And a persistent 183,000 deficit in the number of Americans with jobs compared to 2019. Biden's immigrant employment has exploded. The number of U.S.-born Americans working has grown yet, has still not returned to the 2019 pre-COVID level. The data does not say that American job seekers are being unfairly pushed aside while employers only hire migrants for new jobs. Instead, the data shows that all of Biden's extra jobs above the 2019 level are held by his migrants even as U.S.-born workers have not regained all the jobs they held in 2019. Nobody in the Biden administration has given us these numbers. We just had to ferret it out for ourselves. The share of working Americans remains below those 2019 rates, partly because many older Americans are retiring. Relatively few young Americans are joining the workforce. This demographic decline ensures that CEOs are likely to fill many jobs with hardworking migrants. They're replacing the American babies who were not born in the early 2000s. But Biden also makes it easy and profitable for CEOs to hire illegal migrants instead of the many Americans who still do not have jobs. There are roughly 5 million working-age American men who could be hired for the extra jobs in our economy. Employers prefer not to hire them because they're sidelined in jobless towns or by drug addiction, ill health, criminal records, apathy, and alienation. Policies of our government, they they usually ignore those sidelined Americans. For example, the 5 million discarded Americans are not counted as unemployed because they've not looked for jobs in the past month. Instead, they're described by government officials are not participating in the labor force. Labor force participation among non-college educated U.S. born men has not ever returned to the 2019 level which itself was very low by historical standards. The labor force participation, that's how many people are actually working. That rate of U.S.-born men without a bachelor's degree has still not returned 
to the 76.3% it was in in the fourth quarter of 2019. And that was lower than the 80.5% from 2006 and the 82.6% in 2000. Biden's policies, they're encouraging these big corporate CEOs to simply ignore the Americans that are sidelined. Want an example or two? Biden's deputies that welcome more than 6.2 million illegal across the southern border. That welcome allows CEOs to hire cheap, drug-free, and grateful foreigners from the local bus station instead of going through the painful process of hiring and training alienated, unfit, unhealthy, and resentful Americans. The scale of this replacement was outlined at a September 23rd House hearing by Douglas Holtz Eakin, president of the business-backed American Action Forum. Here's what he said. In 2021, 96% of the 70,000 synthetic opioid-caused deaths were in the prime age labor force. Research found that between 2013 and 2021, opioid use accounted for the loss of more than 1.3 million workers. Opioid use contributes to lower working productivity, increased worker absenteeism, increased job openings through employee turnover, and reduced labor supply. Clearly, it also increases the likelihood that employers have got to turn to illegal labor just to fill their employment needs. The government policies also allow investors, here we go, big money people, it gives them profit by creating low productivity jobs for eager migrants who could not be profitable if employers had to pay decent wages to Americans. So what are we calling this? Listen to this. We've got a new name for this. It's called Growth by Poverty. Growth by poverty. It's a new strategy. It's especially clear in the big coastal cities like New York City. The strategy is backed by the Democrat Party. Why? Because government workers can also profit by delivering aid and welfare to the underpaid migrants. If Biden blocked the migrants, investors would be pressured to do what? To invest in higher productivity jobs. That would allow higher wages and take people off of welfare. The reduced flow of migrants would also prod those coastal CEOs to create new jobs in the many heartland states that are home to sidelined Americans. Since 1990, the government's inflow of migrants has created a bubble of cheap labor for extra low productivity jobs in the coastal states. That inflow allows government officials to display high job creation numbers while concealing the massive transfer of high productivity jobs to places like China, Mexico, India, Malaysia, and even more and more countries outside of the U.S. Example, the number of restaurant jobs rose from 12.5 million in 08 to 15 million in 2018. The growth of 2.5 million jobs was made possible by the steady inflow of job-secret migrants during Barack Obama's two terms and by government welfare policies that allow employers to hire people at below-poverty 
wages. The government's post-1990 cheap labor bubble, it finally burst amid the 2020 COVID crash and President Trump's willingness to shut down the migrant inflow. The economic crisis also encouraged many migrants to go home. Those three things helped to push up Americans' wages in 2020, not because they're hiring more people. They're hiring more indigent and illegal immigrants to work. Since 2021, I'll finish this with this. Since that year, 2021, three years ago, Biden's pro-migration policy has flatlined real wages, partly because of inflation. Even as it grew, the number of jobs began to fill up by migrants. This process helps Biden boast about creating millions of new jobs, but it also hides the steady loss of wages nationwide. If it quacks... And if it waddles, it's always a duck. And when the numbers don't come together, pull up the covers and look underneath. You'll find facts. Those millions of new jobs that Joe created, somebody, an American, lost that job, that job that now belongs to a migrant. And the government doesn't give a rip. You know why? They're going to work for these huge corporations and these huge corporations give a lot of money in campaign funds. And of course, if you're if you're a lawmaker, if you're somebody that wants to serve the people, you got to go spend a fortune to get elected. You don't believe that? Check your phone. I counted one day last week. I got 174 unsolicited texts and emails asking for campaign contributions. It's expensive. And it's going to take a while. Thanks for being here today. Hey, listen, you've got friends and family members that need to hear that segment with Steve Baker this morning. Download the podcast. If you've got an iPhone, you've got an iPhone podcast app that comes to it. It's a little kind of purple, looks like a microphone ball. Click on it and type in TNN Live, TNN Live. That's the name of this show. And download it to your phone. You can share it. But people need to hear the facts, the facts of our government, not the stuff they want you to hear but the real stuff. You guys have a great day. We're going to do Wednesday together. I'll see you tomorrow at 9. Have a good one.
smiling face.